Well, good morning. It's good to see you this morning. How are you? Oh, you look good, but uh, then there's just some things that come natural, right? I'm glad you're here today. So good to see you here. I appreciate you being a part of this worship service. I want to just off the bat say thank you so much for allowing me to have some time away last month. Uh, allowed me to be able to uh, to mentally and uh, emotionally, spiritually recoup, and I appreciate that more than you know. Uh, we'll be talking about, uh, over the next couple of weeks, some things that uh, God really began to show me and deal with me about, and uh, we'll be talking about those things as we, we go forward over the next couple of weeks. But for now, good to see you. Glad you're here. Hope uh, you were able to enjoy and uh, be blessed by the men who came and preached uh, in my absence. Uh, those, uh, each one of them are men that I, I know personally love and uh, am very close to. And I know that they enjoyed preaching to you. want to remind you that tomorrow night, tomorrow evening, 7 p.m., we begin our Monday night uh, revival series. Tomorrow evening at 7 o'clock, Dr. Mark Harris uh, will be with us. Dr. Mark Harris is currently the pastor of Trinity Baptist Church in Mooresville. is Dr. Mike Whitson, a first. Then the last Monday night is uh, Reverend Quintel Hill, who is the current president of our Baptist State Convention, and he's also pastor of Multiply Church in Monroe, North Carolina. So those are our speakers. Tomorrow night, 7 o'clock is when we kick everything off. Now here's where I need your help. I've been asked and just to be perfectly honest with you, it's not in the works yet, but I'm going to see if you want it to be in the works. I've been asked if we are going to have a nursery during our revival services. Rise of right this very tick of the clock, we don't have anyone scheduled to be in the nursery. However, there may be or seems to be a need for a nursery in our revival services. So... I'm going to ask, do we have a volunteer for tomorrow night? Preferably two. Well, that was good. Thank you. I appreciate that. We've got husband and wife. Uh, so tomorrow night we will have a nursery. Now, if you would be willing to serve in the nursery any of the other Monday nights, please let me know today so we can go ahead and get that in the works and get it on schedule. Make sure everybody knows that that's available to you. So uh, we'll have that nursery tomorrow night. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it very much. And if you're willing to help, let me know. We're going to uh, begin with a word of prayer, and then we'll jump right into our music and our time of worshiping through song. Thank you again for, for being with us today. Let's pray together. Our Father and our God, thank you so much for the opportunity to be here today. You are our creator. You are our sustainer. You are our healer. You are our help. You are the friend that is closer than a brother. 
You are the one who gives us mercy and grace. You are the one who covers us with that unconditional love. You are the one who picks us up when we fall. You are the one who walks with us in those deep, dark valleys, and you walk with us on the mountaintops. You are the one who gives to us salvation. You are our Redeemer. You are our Savior. Today, we come to exalt your name. We come to lift you up. We come to proclaim your goodness and your grace. And we just pray that today, Lord, that as we go through our time together, that our hearts will be open toward heaven, that we will, we will receive that which you have for us today. We won't leave out of here having missed what this service was really all about. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We thank you for who you are. And we pray this in the most precious name that has ever been uttered on this planet. And that is the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, good morning. I'm going to invite you to please stand and join with us as we begin our time together by
Let's take a moment to pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord, you have been so good and so kind to each and every one of us. You have poured out blessing on blessing and mercy upon mercy on all of us who are undeserving. Lord, as you have been so kind and gracious to us, it is all that we can do but offer back to you what you have so given to us. Whether it be through our monetary gifts, our time, our talents, our energy and efforts. Lord, it is all that we can do but to give back to the one who has given all, to those who are undeserving. And so as we do, we pray that you bless these gifts. We pray that you use them to the furtherment of your kingdom, that your glory would be known among the nations and your name be proclaimed among all the peoples. And it's in that name that we pray. Amen.
Thank you for your singing. I invite you to be seated. Who painted all the cars yellow? <laughs> that pollen is eating me up this morning. I know that some of you probably have those same allergies. And, and boy, we were all delighted when it started early this year. Um, but I, I know that uh, the drug companies are very happy. And uh, we, we're going to keep using their products to try to be able to keep talking and, and moving on with our, our life during this season. Uh, thank you again for being here today. Uh, I want to invite you to join me in the book of Colossians chapter number 2. Colossians chapter number 2. And I realized earlier that I forgot to put the scripture on the screen. And I want to apologize for that. That was something I did uh, back in January and realized that this week when I pulled my notes back up. So uh, it is Colossians chapter 2, and it's verses 16 through 23. That's where we're going to be today. Um, a month from next Sunday, just a month from next Sunday, is Easter Sunday. It's got here quick, hasn't it? Uh, and I want to uh, invite you and encourage you to be a part of our activities on Easter Sunday. Uh, we just set the schedule for that this morning. Uh, so let me go ahead and tell you kind of what that schedule is going to look like. It'll be in the bulletin and uh, in your communicator in the days ahead. We're going to do uh, a sunrise service from 730 um, until 7.45. It usually takes about 15, 20 minutes for us to do that service. We'll do that outside, weather permitting, uh, where we normally do, 7.30 to 7.45. And then we're going to be offering a continental breakfast in the fellowship hall from 7.45 to 8.45 and would encourage you to come and use that as a time of fellowship. Uh, it'll be just a light breakfast. We're not We're not going to feed you the the ham and eggs and bacon and sausage and grits and all that good stuff. We're, we know you got a big lunch plan, so we don't want to spoil your, your lunch. But we're going to have a continental breakfast, and that's from uh, 7.45 to 8.45. And then our connect groups will meet from 8.45 until 9.45, and then our worship will be at 10 o'clock. Again, that information will be in your bulletin next Sunday, and it'll be in the communicator when it comes out for the month of March, or excuse me, April. But I did want to go ahead and make sure that you you were the first to know. See, there's an, there's an advantage to showing up at church, isn't there? You learn things before anybody else does. So uh, that's the schedule that we have coming up in uh, just a, a few weeks now on Easter Sunday. And of course, we'll have our Good Friday service that uh, Friday night before uh, Easter Sunday. And I uh, hope that you'll be a part of that. That's at 7 p.m. here in our sanctuary. Before I launch into um, what we're going to be looking at today, I, I just want to take a really quick survey. Uh, how many of you in this room uh, you know that you're saved, okay, but you were saved before the age of 18. If you would just raise your hand, okay, now keep it up. Everybody look around. 
That's, that's what, about uh, three-fourths or better? Okay, thank you. Uh, so the majority of us, are we come to Christ before the age of 18. All right? Before the age of 18. So that means that you were in that age range of being either in a children's ministry or a youth ministry whenever you came to Christ. Now, you say, well, I was unchurched and I got saved during a revival service. And that's, that's good. I got you. I got you. But those of you who were raised in church and you came to Christ, you did so through the ministry of a children's ministry and a youth ministry. Folks, that's why those two things right there are the single most important ministries this church will ever have. All right, now we amen that, right? We did. We amend it. If you have a child in our ministry or youth program right now, would you stand? Now, how many of us raised our hands? How many are standing? Thank you, guys. You can be seated. Over the next couple of weeks, one of the things we're going to be doing, and we're going to be laying out, and we're going to be talking about, is how we must, not we should, not we could, we must, as a church, make children's ministry and youth ministry a priority in our church. Folks, if five families in our church right now that, I'm, that I know of personally were to decide that next Sunday they're going to leave our church and go to another church, we would not have a single child in Sunday school or children's ministry. Does that, that tell you something? If you want to see where we are on any given Sunday morning, take a stroll down our children's wing on, during connect groups and glance into classes. Walk over to the nursery and glance in. That's the future of our church. We're five years away from not having a youth group. Five years away. So over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be talking about, we're going to be looking at, we're going to be working together. I don't have a magic bullet. I cannot just stand up here and say, here's the magic wand. I'm going to wave it, and here's what we're going to do, and all that's going to be taken care of. I don't have that. But together, you and I, working with the rest of our staff, we can, we can build in our church a culture that is focused on reaching that next generation of 18 and younger that's going to need to come to Christ. If not, we're going to lose that entire generation. All right? So that's sermon number one. Sermon number two, turn to Colossians chapter two, verse number 16. Reading down through verse number 23. Listen to what Paul says to the Colossians. Therefore, no one is to act as your judge in regard to food or drink or in respect to the festival or a new moon or a Sabbath day. Things which are a mere shadow of what is to come. 
But the substance belongs to Christ. Let no one keep defrauding you of your prize by delighting in self-abasement and the worship of angels, taking his stand on visions he has seen, inflated without cause by his fleshly mind, and not holding fast to the head, from whom the entire body, being supplied and held together by the joints and ligaments, grows with a growth which is from God. If you have died with Christ to the elementary principles of the world, why, as if you were living in the world, do you submit yourself to decrees as such? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, which all refer to things detained to perish with use in accordance with the commandments and teachings of men. These are matters which have, to be sure, the appearance of wisdom and self-made religion and self-abasement and severe treatment of the body, but are of no value against fleshly indulgence. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you for this opportunity to be here today. Lord, we are not here by accident. Every one of us is here by divine appointment. And Lord, we thank you that you have gathered us in this room to gather around your word, which is living and active and truth. So that we can not only read from it, but learn from it, grow from it. That these words can be engrafted into our hearts and into our minds, making us, molding us, shaping us into the image of Jesus Christ. So, Lord, let that be our desire. I know it's yours in these last next few moments that we have together. That, Lord, you shape us, mold us into what you created us to become. So that we, in our obedience, walking with you, can experience the fullness of your glory and the realness of your presence. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, warning labels on products are often necessary for the safety of the public. Now, I want to show you um, some warning labels Because some warning labels are quite ridiculous. I want to show you five. Let's see the first one. There you go. Do not hold a chainsaw by the blade, especially when it's running. How many of you did not know that? I'm just curious. Okay. Oh, well, only one. All right. So there you go. Next time you're running a chainsaw, make sure you're holding the correct end of it. Warning label number two. Try to iron your clothes before you put them on. That's recommended by all of the professionals. These are real warning labels. They come off of real things. Uh, And so there you go. Make sure that when you choose to iron your clothes. Now, I will admit, the other day, I had something wrinkled on me, and my wife took her flat iron and was doing this number right here on me. Trying to get it out. So that, that's a little different. You know, that's not the traditional iron. Iron your clothes before you put them on. What's, what's the next one? I don't know if you can read this or not. It says, wheelbarrow not intended for highway use. Avoid street racing in your favorite wheelbarrow, if you will, please. And then there's number four. Your pets are not microwave-proof, just so that you know. I don't know if Miss Kathy's ever had to deal with that issue or not, 
but don't microwave your pets, okay? And then lastly, please dry your hair before you go to sleep or after you get up, but not while you're trying to sleep. Don't sleep dry your hair, okay? Now, here's the reason that we look at these. They seem ridiculous. But do you know why we have those warning labels? Because somewhere, someone tried doing those very things. Someone tried ironing their clothes while they had them on, burnt themselves. Someone decided they were going to get in a wheelbarrow. Now, they were probably intoxicated when they did it, but they probably decided they were going to get in a wheelbarrow and see how fast they could run down a, a hill on a street somewhere in a neighborhood. Someone had decided that they wanted to try to hold the chainsaw from the wrong end. Someone decided they wanted to go to bed with a hair dryer, uh, drying their hair. These things, or somebody microwaved their, their pet. These things are here because someone somewhere did them. Uh, we even have now warnings that come on uh, from fast food restaurants. If you were to stop at any of the local fast food restaurants and get a cup of coffee, somewhere on that cup it's going to say, warning that this beverage is hot, that it can burn you. So we have warnings. Today I want to, I want to share with you two very important warnings that have eternal consequences to them. The, these warnings are here for our benefit, and they're just as, as relevant now as they were on the day when Paul penned this letter to the church in Colossae. Now, whether you look at them as ridiculous or unnecessary, the fact of the truth is they are important for our spiritual health. So what are these two warnings? Warning number one he gives to us is don't be fooled by the super spiritual. Don't be fooled by the super spiritual. These false teachers that had invaded the city of Colossae were presenting themselves as having somehow reached a greater spiritual level than all of the other believers. Somehow they had been able to transcend to another level of spiritual enlightenment, spiritual knowledge, spiritual uh, in in their actions and uh, activities. They wanted everyone to believe that you've got to do what I do in order to be super spiritual. They claimed that they had been enlightened uh, to otherwise unknown spiritual truth by angels who had visited them, uh, maybe in a dream or, or in, the, in their uh, time of med- meditation. Uh, they even pointed to their very strict adherence to the Jewish dietary restrictions. And they said, look, if you want to go to the next level, if you want to get closer to God... If you want to be super spiritual, then you need to get on board with some things. You need to start not eating this and not touching that and make sure you do this. And of course, the whole time they're doing, they're saying this, they're pointing to themselves as having done those things. That's why I'm on a spiritual level that you're not on because I've learned that I can't touch that, can't taste that, can't do that, but can do this. I, I'm the one that I, I've, 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 I've ascended because I've been given, I've been given truth 
and enlightened by angels. They pointed to their celebration of religious festivals. And they did all of this to, to claim a superior spiritual standing in relation to everyone else. Do you, do you, do you know those folks? I mean, uh, they're so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good. Uh, they're always talking about what they have done religiously lately. That they have somehow transcended into a new spiritual realm of enlightenment because they do all of these things. The problem with most of these who want you to think that they are super spiritual is that they're missing the one thing that they need for salvation. Yes, they have dietary rituals, which are not a bad thing. Yes, they, they observe religious festivals, which that is not a bad thing. Yes, they, 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 they tend to be more astute to the religious practices. That's not a bad thing. But most of them were missing the one thing necessary for salvation, and that was a relationship with Jesus. And while these false teachers were busy with their religious activities, they were still dead in their trespasses and sin. They were depending on all of this other religious activity to give them favor with God. Can I, can I give you a, a word of truth right now that I hope you hear what I'm about to say? God loves you now as much as he'll ever love you. In other words, he can't love you any more than he already loves you right now. You have already been given and you have already been a, a recipient of the fullness of the love of God. He, he's not going to like you better or love you more if you do this, this, and this, and this. Now, now, now granted, listen to me. These things are not bad things. It's just that they were never intended to be a means of salvation. They were always intended to be things that helped you celebrate the relationship you have with God. Those dietary restrictions that they were talking about were, were intended to help the Israelites be healthy and strong so that they could do the work that God was giving them to do. It wasn't so that they would be more spiritual than anyone else. It's so that they would be walking in obedience to Him and so that they would be able to carry out the work that He had for them. Folks, I'm here to tell you. Now listen to me. Y'all going to walk out of here with the wrong thing? I know it as sure as I'm standing here. Going to church is a great thing. Do you believe me? Of course you do. You're here. Reading the Bible is a great thing. Do you believe me? Praying without ceasing is a great thing. You think that's true? Sharing your faith is an awesome thing. You think that's true? None of those things by themselves will get you into heaven. You can... You, you Listen... By being a 
a, a child of God, by having a relationship with Jesus, you should want to do those things. Not because they make you super spiritual, not because they make God love you more, but because it is your expression of gratitude and love toward God for the things that He has done for you, for the the salvation that that He has given to you. But folks, I'm here to tell you, based on the words of Jesus... There are going to be many who stand on their day of judgment before God and they're going to pull out their church attendance record and they're going to pull out their tithing record and they're going to pull pull out uh, all of their religious activities and the dates and the times and they're going to read them to God and He's going to say to me, Depart from me, you that work iniquity, I never knew you. Jesus said it this way, There will be many who say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not? And then they're going to begin talking about all the things that they did. And he said, and I'm going to have to say to them at the end of that long spiel, after they've read their resume, depart from me, you that work iniquity, I never knew you. You see, those things are awesome and good. And they need to be a part of every believer's life. But those things that we've mentioned will not get you into heaven by themselves. You must have a relationship with Jesus Christ. These super spiritual, what was happening was they were depending on all of these extracurricular activities, all of these religious things to get them into heaven they were saying i've got favor with god because i keep this diet i have favor with god because i keep this holiday and this festival i have favor with god because i do this religious activity and what paul is saying to them is look while these things are good they are absolutely worthless without a relationship with jesus christ they do not carry any kind of significance for you and Until you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You want to, listen, if you want to have worship and coming to church to be something that you enjoy, then get right with God first. Because it's out of that that you'll be able to worship. If you want to be able to enjoy reading your Bible, if you want to be able to enjoy your time of prayer, then you've got to get right with God first. Then when you read your Bible, things will begin to happen and come to life. Then when you pray, you'll begin to feel the presence of Almighty God as you speak to Him. Those things are are, are secondary to the salvation. They come as, as the result of having a relationship with Jesus. Only a relationship with Jesus, a living Growing relationship can save us from our sins. And only that kind of relationship can give us peace with God. We need to beware of those who are always boasting of their religious activity. Don't tell me what you've done. Tell me who you are. You know, we've, we've had these conversations even amongst ourselves on the staff about, well, are you, you know, what does it mean to be conservative? And what does it mean to, to, to be uh, reformed? And what does it mean to be all this other stuff? Can I just tell you something? I just want to, I just want to be a Christian. I just want to be a child of God. You can label me however you want to label me. Put whatever you want to on there. I don't care. 
I just want my life to, to, to display this truth, that I know God personally through Jesus Christ. And then whatever other label you throw on there, that's up to you. You do what you got to do. I, I just want to be known as, a, as someone who is walking in the presence and in the will of God, someone who, who loves Him and knows Him. It's, it's too easy to get all of these other things cloaked in religious language that sometimes will, will breed pride into our life. And we have to be careful of those things. Pride was the sin of the super-spiritual. They wanted to be noticed. They wanted to be applauded. They, they wanted people to know what they had been up to. They wanted to know, and listen, that's why Jesus even talked about when you fast. Go ahead and wash your face, comb your hair. Don't, don't put on that, 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 that sad face and walk around and look like you're about half dead and tell everybody, well, I'll be better next time I'm just fasting right. He said, hey, wash your face, comb your hair, look alive. The only person that needs to know that you're fasting is God because you're fasting for Him if you're fasting for the right reason. You see, here's, here's what He's wanting us to see. Is that those who tend to be super spiritual are walking in a spirit of pride. Real Christian growth produces humility and a desire to exalt Jesus and not ourselves. So that warning number one is very simple. Don't be fooled by the super spiritual. We all know those folks. And sometimes if you're not careful, we want to we emulate them. I wish I could be as spiritual as they are. So be careful. Make sure they, they're, they're walking in a vibrant, growing, living relationship with Jesus. Here's the second thing, the second warning. Don't be misled by the extra biblical. Now, here's what I mean. What do we mean by extra biblical? Extra biblical is a term that means outside or beyond the Bible. Any literature that's not contained within the Local canon. It, it, means to, it means to take something else that is not God's word, but something else, and raise it to the same importance and the same level of significance as the word of God. It's, it's taking something else that's not from the Bible or part of the Bible or, or God's holy word. It's taking that something else and saying it's just as important or maybe even more so than the scripture that you have. That's extra biblical. Now, here, here's what was taking place in, in Colossae. These false teachers in Colossae were teaching that the only way to elevate their spiritual standing was to obey all of these man-made rules. If there's one thing that the Jewish nation did uh, and did well was come up with rules. They loved their laws and their rules. They, they came up with this extraordinary amount of man-made rules that then they brought next to the Word of God and said, now, if you do this, then you'll be able to do this. 
They, they took what their, their rules were and they made them the same level or even superior than the Word of God. Be careful with the extra biblical. Now, now here's what I mean by that. These extra rules that they're not bad within their nature, but they're, they're being taught as being biblical. These false teachers were elevating their, their rules to the same level as the commands of God. And, and Paul pointed to these man-made rules and said, A person, listen, one that he picks out here, and I thought this was interesting. A person had to mistreat their body in order to be closer to God. They had to abuse their physical body because the way they looked at it, these, these super spiritual, is that the body was flesh. It's made of flesh and flesh is bad. So the only way you can please God is to abuse this fleshly body. Now, if you'll just, if you'll just abuse your fleshly body, you can be closer to God. You'll be more spiritual and less fleshly. You know what? You'll be more bruised. And more broken, but it won't make you closer to God. Volumes have been written by men proclaiming, if you will only do this, you will be a more spiritual person. And they've got a program, they've got a plan they put together. And they raise it up to the level of Scripture. And they say, now, the Bible's good. And, and you really need it. And I hope you got one. But this, <laughs> this is what's going to transform your life. These, this, this program that I came up with, this plan that I've developed. Now, this, this, this is the real deal. Now, I want to tell you, this is going to get you right with God. When what you need all along was right there in the Word of God. Now, these, these writings are, 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 are good in that they may point you in the way of some things that God's leading you toward. But when they raise them to the same level as the Word of God, you got a problem. There are volumes upon volumes of books that you can find right now. Go to a Christian bookstore, or, or there are not many of those left now because print material is, is going by the way. But go online or whatever it is you may do and begin to peruse the books that have been written that are about being about spirituality. You know what you're going to find? You're going to find a lot of this. Just think positive. Just think positive, okay? Just think positive. Well, well boss, let, let, let's back up here a second. I, I get positive thinking is good. Don't, don't hear what I'm not saying. Positive things, I hope, you, I hope you're a positive thinker. But positive thinking isn't what makes you right with God. That's not what transforms your life and conforms you into the image of Christ. The Word of God does. Now, now... Another one, you know what another one, another popular thing is? If you'll just, if, if you just speak life into your life, you'll have life. Now, again, not a, I'm not saying that's a, all bad. But I, if, if I am, if I am in the battle, a spiritual battle, I can speak 
as, as much life into that battle as I want, but if I don't lean on the heavy arm of God, and if I don't wear the armor of God, and if I'm not saturated in the Word of God, if I am not rooted and grounded in the truth of God, I can speak into whatever I want to speak into, and it's not going to change a thing. That's where the Word of God is, is here for us. It is the positivity we need. That's why Paul can say, I can do all things. Is that what he said? Uh, that's what people like to put on the bumper stickers. But that's not what Paul said. Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He's not saying I'm some spiritual stud, that I, I have positive thinking and I speak life into all these things and I can just walk in and, and everything's going to be hunky-dory and happy. Everybody's going to love me. My life is going to be great. That's not what Paul is saying. Paul says, when I, st- when I walk with Christ, when I live in Christ, when I stand in Christ, I can do all things because it's not me that's doing those things, but Christ in me doing those things. I don't know about you, but you want to know where I mess up more times than not? It's when I try to just do all things, but without the Christ in me. Don't be fooled by the extra biblical. These things sound good. There, there are people today that, and, and I know I'm going to step on some toes here, and, I, and, I, and I'm not trying to, but I just want to make sure we understand what we're talking about. There are those who take the Bible and they twist it and they turn it and they try to make it say something that it doesn't say. There, there, there are groups now that will tell you, well, if you don't speak in tongues, you're not saved by grace. If you, if you can't, if you don't have this, if you can't do this one thing, then, then you're not baptized by the Spirit and you're not filled with the Spirit. If you can't do this one thing, then somehow, some way, you're less spiritual than everyone else. What they're doing is they're taking extra biblical things that are not in the Word of God and they're raising them up to the same level as the Word of God. And they're saying that what we say is just as important or more so than the Word of God. It sounds good, doesn't it? But it's not biblical. <laughs> How many of you remember years ago, the group, and maybe they're still around. Uh, maybe it's because I was in the foothills of South Carolina serving at the time that I was so aware of it. Back in the early 90s. But how many of you remember the group that said, real believers can pick up snakes? You remember those folks? Well, if you're really saved by grace then you should be able to walk over to that serpent and snatch it off the ground and not have any fear in your heart. And it's not going to bite you. <laughs> How many of you picked up a snake doing that during that time? Just one? Okay, well, good. God bless you. I'm going to tell you one fellow that didn't pick up a snake. I knew I was saved. I knew I was on my way to heaven. I knew if I died that very instant, I'd spend eternity with Jesus Christ. But I was not going to pick up a snake to prove it. 
But there was, a, there was a group who believed that, here's what they said. The only way you can know for certain that you're saved by grace is to pick up a snake. What they were doing is taking their rules, their beliefs, their understanding, and they were putting it on the same level with the Word of God. We have to be careful that we don't find ourselves saying only real Christians can do this. We have to go back to, Paul calls it elementary truths. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except by Him. That's the elementary truth. You can put whatever name on the sign you want to put on the sign. You can put whatever label on you that you want to put on you. But at the end of the day, the only thing that will give you entrance into heaven is that you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, that He is your personal Savior, that you have surrendered your life to Him, that you have repented of your sins, and you've come to the One who can save you and given Him all that you are. That's the only way. And once you're saved by grace, don't forget what Jesus said about the great commandment. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus made it simple. Have a relationship with with Jesus Christ and then love God and love people. That's how simple he made it. Now, if we get those things right, then everything else falls into place. Because when we get that relationship right, and we fall in love with God with all of our heart, and we, we begin to love others as we love ourselves, then we'll want to go to church. We'll want to read our Bible. We'll want to pray daily. We'll want to tell others about Jesus. We'll want to show kindness to others. Stick to the book and you'll never go wrong. Stick to the book and you'll never go wrong. You know, if there's any group that's probably as bad at this super spiritual stuff as any of the others, just probably preachers. I, I bet you've been around some, I know I have, where if they were half as spiritual as they wanted you to believe they were, they'd already be in heaven. Folks, I want, I want to tell you, go back to Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, and read the fruit of the Spirit. In there, not only do you find love, peace, and joy, and all that, but you know what you also find? Meekness and humility. The super spiritual are the ones who walk with the presence of Christ on their life, and they don't have to announce it to anybody. You've been around them, haven't you? They walk in the room, and you just feel Jesus in the room. It's not because they toted the biggest Bible. It's not because they came in singing some hymn. But it's because that they were so in love with Jesus. And they were so immersed in the grace that saved them. That it oozed from them. 
Beware of the super spiritual. Beware of the extra biblical. Are you missing out on the joy of salvation because you're trying to follow all the rules? Because you want to be super spiritual like the next person? Are there things that's been written and advocated by others that's kind of left you feeling like you're a poor Christian? You're not much of one because you're not doing the things they say you ought to be doing. Then can I tell you something? This morning, the only thing you need to walk out of here knowing is that you have surrendered your life to Jesus, that He is your personal Savior. You repented of your sins. That's all you need. If you want to read a book on prayer, man, go for it. If it helps your prayer life, that's awesome. You want to read a book on how to study the Bible and you want to be a better student of the Bible, go for it. But doing those things before a relationship with Jesus isn't going to make you a Christian. In just a moment, we're going to stand together. We're going to sing together. Maybe this, you know what, maybe... Maybe today what, what God's speaking to you about has nothing to do with anything that's been said today. It's just that there's something in your heart you need to deal with. When we, when we stand and sing in just a few moments, that's the time to deal with that. To make things right with God. Make things right with God here, now, today. All these other things begin falling into place. But today, make things right with God through Jesus Christ. He loves you with an eternal, unconditional, everlasting love. And He will never love you any less than He loves you right now. But He'll never love you anymore. You have the fullness of His love. Walk with Him in joy. Walk with Him in peace. Walk with Him in in the light of what he has accomplished in your life as a believer. All these other things take care of themselves. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you knew that we, you knew we're like sheep. That things need to be simplistic because if we're not careful, we're going to turn around and make them complicated. So you gave us the truth. You are the way. You are the truth. You are the life. That if, if we ever want to have peace with God, if we, ever want to, if we ever want to have a relationship with our Creator, we, we, we must come to you. The Savior of the world, the one who took on our sins and died in our place. The one who resurrected on the third day to give us life, to give us hope, to give us peace, to give us joy. Lord, I, I, I just want to pray for that one that maybe in this room right now. They're, they're constantly feeling like they're less than a Christian. They remember a time and a place. They, rem- they can go back in their mind and their heart to that day when they surrendered their life to you. They gave everything they have to you. But, Lord, since that day has taken place, they've been bombarded with all of this, this rhetoric from the super spiritual that they need to do this and do that. And 
go here and go there. And Lord, right now, they just feel like that they're, they're just less than a Christian. I pray that right this moment, Lord, that you bathe them in your presence. Bathe them in your love. Lord, help them to know that there's nothing they will ever do that will cause you to love them less and nothing you will ever do that will cause you to love them more. That, Lord, you save them by your grace because you're good. And all you want from them is for them to walk with you daily. And grow in their know, their knowledge and love for you. Lord, I pray for those who may be in this room right now who've they've been reading all of this material and it's 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 telling them that there's this formula, there's this plan, there's this program, there's this special thing that they just have to do in order for you to be more in love with them, for them to have more favor with you. Lord, help them to understand that while those, those things that they're being called to do may be good things, that if they have a relationship with you, that, Lord, that's all you require for heaven and that these other things are things to make them better, not make them saved. And, Lord, how I pray that in these moments that you ground our heart on your truth that we'll want nothing more and nothing less than the truth of your word and who you are. Set some folks free from the bondage that they're in today, Lord. It's my humble prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together as we sing.
thank you so much for being here today. God bless you. Uh, I, I want to encourage you to do a couple things. Number one, uh, we are creatures of habit, aren't we? So we, most of us are sitting in the same places we normally sit. So here's what I want you to do is I want you to kind of take inventory of those uh, around you that are not here that sit near you. And here's what I want to ask you to do is this week, call them and let them know you missed them. Let them know, man, I sure hope to see you next Sunday because whenever you're gone, the preacher can see me better. And I, I want to hide behind you, so come to church next Sunday. Uh, just let them know you miss them and that you, you love to have them uh, here next Sunday. Uh, other, begin praying now about our, our children and youth ministry. Uh, Zach needs our help, and he cannot do this by himself. He is not the Savior nor Messiah of our youth and children's group. So he needs us. So I want to ask you to begin praying now for that youth and children's ministry, what God wants you to do to help make an impact in that area. All right? Thank you again for being here. God bless you. Uh, I'm going to dismiss us with a word of prayer. Anything? Uh, Just a reminder, it is not too late to be a part of our Easter choir. You will have three chances to sing, Palm Sunday, Good Friday, and Easter Sunday. So if you can do any of those and you'd like to join us, Please come see me or just show up Wednesday night, 7.30, downstairs in the choir room. Tomorrow night, 7 o'clock. I look forward to seeing you back here for uh, Dr. Mark Harris. Let's be dismissed in prayer. Father God, thank you again for allowing us to be here. Uh, Lord, I just pray that we get this one thing right, that we get our relationship with you in the right place, that, Lord, we, we are in walking in step with who you are and with what you desire for us, that we've surrendered our life to you, knowing, Lord, that it's in the fullness of that relationship that we begin to grow and blossom and mature in all of these other areas. So, Lord, I pray that today we'll walk out of here uh, with the determination to, uh, more than ever, to know that we have that right relationship with you. And, and Lord, I pray for our, our children and youth ministry, Lord, we know that you sent us someone who, who has a heart for this, and God, he needs our help. Lord, show us what you want us to do, not just so that we can help Zach, but Lord, so that we can build your kingdom, knowing, Lord, that those who come to you normally come before they turn 18, that, Lord, there's a harvest out there that we're missing, and it's your, your call upon us to be about your business. Dismiss us now with your great love. We look forward, Lord, to gathering tomorrow night. Be with us as we gather for a time of prayer, renewal, and revival. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.